0: Thank you, and once again good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. Our study this week in the Theological Seminar of the Air is called The Fear of the Lord, and is a very important lesson that deals with God the Father. In these first series of broadcasts, we've been talking about uh, God the Father, which is justly the study of theology proper, theology being the study of the knowledge of God. Christology deals with lessons about God the Son, And pneumatology deals with doctrinal teaching on God the Holy Spirit. In our previous broadcast, we have talked about the existence of God and the person of God, talking about his incommunicable and communicable attributes. We've talked about God as a balanced being. We've given the Christian all the references on the Trinity and given the Christian the list of the names of God and discussed the fatherhood and silence of God. Now, in our last lesson here on the theology uh, proper, that is, the studies of God the Father, We're discussing the fear of the Lord, and next week we begin a series of 34 broadcasts on Christology, that is, the doctrinal teaching of the Holy Bible on God the Son, remembering, of course, that there is one God manifest in three persons, and this has been thoroughly covered in our lesson on the Trinity from two weeks ago. Now our lesson today deals with the fear of the Lord. This has been a subject that has intrigued people for the past uh, four or five hundred years, and it seems there's a wrong kind and right kind of fear. If we're to believe the Word of God, one of the precious messages of the Bible is fear not. You'll find the expression fear not used about 50 times. For example, the Lord says fear not in Genesis 15:1. In Genesis 26:24, the Lord says fear not in Luke 2:10, Luke 12:32, Acts 27:24, Revelation 1:17. Also, we find variations of the Lord telling somebody to be not afraid when he says things like John 6.20, It is I, be not afraid. But there is a fear the unsaved man should have and a fear the saved man should have. The same apostle who keeps writing about being comforted and not being afraid said one time, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you. And although we read in the first epistle of John perfect love casteth out fear, for fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We should never forget that the context of John's statement is the Christian worrying about losing salvation. Now, if there's one kind of fear no Christian should ever be bothered with, it's letting some heretic upset him with quotations taken out of the context of Hebrews 3, 6, and 10, or Second Peter, or the book of Acts. If there's one thing that God's people have no business doing, they have no business doubting their salvation and worrying about going to hell, when John said in his epistle, as he is, so are we in this world. The born-again child of God has been accepted in the Beloved, and although there are many things he may have to be afraid of, going to hell is not one of them. And notice how clearly this is brought out in the Word of God, and nothing can be any clearer. Notice how this is brought out in the epistle written by John in 1 John, chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, present tense, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that appeareth is not made perfect in love. Now the TM and transcendental Unitarians and Buddhists and the half Buddhists and the pseudo-Hindus have taken these verses to prove that fear is an unhealthy motive and is negative, and therefore is not to be tolerated in regards to your dealing with God in any line. And, of course, is a satanic teaching that comes by making a liar out of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says in Job 28:28, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Second Samuel 23, 3 says he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And the outstanding characteristic of the people who pervert this past in first John that teach all love and no fear is the fact they're demon possessed, according to Romans three eighteen. In a there in a picture of the degenerate man, totally depraved, given over to the devil, it says in Romans three eighteen, their outstanding characteristic is quote, There is no fear of God before their eyes. In other words, the Doctrinal teaching of the Word of God is that a certain kind of fear is very, very healthy for a saved man or unsaved man. The unsaved man who fears God will not take chances that might cause God to strike him down. The saved man will fear the Lord and not take chances that might ruin his testimony or his ministry or cut his life short or his usefulness. When Paul says to the born-again child of God, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he is very careful to add, because it is God that worketh in you. The born-again believer has the Holy Spirit in him, in him, trying to make him Christ-like and trying to make him be what God wants him to be. And in view of this, the Christian better work out his salvation. It didn't say work at it. It said work it out with fear and trembling because it is God working inside the believer's body. Now, this great doctrine, the fear of the Lord, should be gotten down pat by the believer and he should be absolutely certain about it because the people who don't fear God are always worrying about losing their salvation for some reason. And the general adage still holds true that a man who fears God doesn't fear men. And a man who fears men doesn't fear God. When you find some big blustering, bull bully running around saying, I'm a beat-up on that preacher, and I'll show them that I'm an atheist, and a fellow can't talk to me like this, why don't a fellow blah When you find a big stuffed shirt like that, you know what you're dealing with? You're dealing with a man who's trying to put on a show before men because he worries about what men think about him. He's a coward. Now, haven't you got that figured out? Let me tell you something. When a man fears the Lord, men don't bother him. What you think about me is as immaterial to me as if you weren't even listening to my voice. And when I say that, I'm addressing anybody listening to my voice where this broadcast might go. Our broadcasts and tapes go in there, all 52 states and about 16 foreign countries. And let me tell you something, a man that wants to please God do it, God wants him to do it the way God wants him to do it, is not concerned about what you think about it. You just think anything you jolly well please, son. If you don't like it, turn your radio off. Don't upset the manager of the radio station with a lot of baloney about equal rights and fair rights practices, which you know is a lie and I know a lie. The idea of these people threatening to sue a radio broadcasting station and destroy an honest man trying to make an honest business and honest living by threatening him with that kind of stuff, just because they don't have any backbone. Well, the very idea, if you're upset about something I say, sue me, kid. I'm available. My box is Box 6021, Pensacola, Florida. My house address is 5420 Rawson Lane, and my telephone number is 476 We're not going to worry about it. The general adage is true, if a man fears God, he doesn't fear men. If he fears men, he doesn't fear God. Well, you find these people are always worrying about putting on a show for men to show how tough they are and how smart they are. They're men who don't fear God. They're afraid what men think about them. The fear of the Lord and the fear of God, found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 to 27, and taught throughout Proverbs, means that a man, when he's faced with the holiness and righteousness of God should be afraid. The Schofield note says it means a reverential trust for the hatred of evil, but of course it doesn't mean that at all. You're told in your Bible that a reverence and a fear of God are two entirely different things. Notice this, please, in the New Testament, given very clearly, where you couldn't possibly miss it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 4.10, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live upon the earth. The essential thing about the fear of the Lord is that you fear God enough to pay attention to what he says. Deuteronomy 6.13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. The wise man in Ecclesiastes said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, If you want to know what's wrong with America, in one sentence, I can tell you. And it will include the Idiot Tube, the pornographic literature, the X-rated movies, juvenile delinquency, the lack of parental confrontation, disobedience, and lack of discipline in the school, and the shenanigans of the HEW and the communist activities of every government agency in America, and UNESCO and UNFCO, without missing a lick. I can tell you in one sentence. You ready? I mean, if you want to boil it right down... And to find what's wrong with this country in regards to inflation and taxes and two left-wing candidates and no equal time for anybody who's a conservative, I can tell you. You say, okay, smarty pants, what is it? Why, it's simple. America has ceased to fear God. And once it did. There were unsaved men in this country in 1840, 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90, Nineteen hundred ten, twenty, 20, and 30, who are more concerned about God dealing with them in punishment and wrath and chastisement than the saved people are right now who know the Lord, and know whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Did you know when the Union and southern troops went into battle, between 1861 and 1865, the men left their cards in the Bivouac area before the attack. you know why they did it? Because they didn't want to be caught dead with a deck of cards on them. And a lot of them were unsaved young men. What do you make of that? That's a long way from the sun in the deck of cards, somebody singing, now ain't it? That's the Aramaic for, is it not? Ain't it? This country ceased to fear God. So you know what God is doing? He's cleaning house. You're not going to go barley and corn and wheat to feed hungry people with and then pour it down your throat and refuse to double the taxes on it when you've doubled the price of milk. You're not going to do that and get away with it. Nobody I'm talking to is going to do it and get away with it. You just think you're going to get away with it. This country just thinks it can put up billboards of semi-nude women and put nude women in its movie ads and run pornographic X-rated stuff all over this country and down the living room on Sunday night and Saturday night for the kiddies to see. This country just thinks it's going to go on drinking liquor like it drinks water and throwing dope around and justifying the use of it. This country just thinks it's going to do that and get away with it. It ain't going to get away with nothing, man. The Bible says all nations that forget God should be turned to hell and righteous exalts the nation, but sinners are approach to any people. Now, there are certain things you're not to fear. You're not to fear idols or other gods. Second Kings 17.38 says, In the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, neither shall you fear other gods. You're not to get worried about poverty and disease and lack of education, the gods of the heathen. You're not to fear the, the gods of the heathen, peace, security, prosperity, and those other idols. You're not to fear man. Saul's so mistake, he confessed to Samuel, was, I feared the people. That's why Herod had John the Baptist's head cut off, because he feared to go back on his vow. Proverbs 29:25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. You don't have to be afraid of the face of man. Peter says, We ought to obey God rather than men. We're not to fear earthly calamities. We're told to look up. We're told to look unto Jesus. Christ said, Fear not, then that are able to destroy the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. We're not to feel, uh, fear the pagan Romanists and the pagan Papists, although they're out to take over our country. We're not to fear the pagan atheistic communists, although they're out to take over our country. We're to be wise to know what's going on. We should know, should know the dangers and evils of these matters and movements and protest against them, but fear them not on your life. The Bible said, He has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. The true believer does not fear future punishment. We don't worry about going to hell. Perfect love casts out fear. Therefore, we have boldness the day of judgment. We are not to fear fear. I mean, the idea of some president standing up and saying, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Nonsense. You better fear the judgment of God on sin. You better fear God's holiness if you're an unsaved man, not trust your own. You better fear him able to destroy both body and soul into hell. The only thing to fear is fear. Oh, cut it out, man. Quit pulling my leg. Trouble and anguish shall make the unsaved man afraid, but the believer casts all his earthly fears in the Lord. Simon Peter says about the believer, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Only one fear remains, and that is a holy fear of the Lord God himself. Somebody said, you're upsetting these people and teaching to be afraid of God and putting the fear of God in them. The fear of God, the most healthy fear you ever had in your life, you hypocrite. Some of you hypocrites I'm talking to now are afraid of car wrecks, aren't you? So you have collision and liability. Answer yes or no. Don't stand there with your thumb in your mouth and talk about the psychological damage done by negative preaching in scaring these little children. Get off your high horse, stupid. Just answer me are some of you people afraid of getting sick, and that's why you carry a red cross and blue cross and white shield and all that stuff? Yes or no? In the truth of the matter, some of you people are worried you won't get married, and some of you are afraid you will? Come on, don't kid me. Go kid your grandmother. Don't give us all this gas about the psychological implications and the total thrust of the in-depth experience of psychiatric research would indicate that the negative value of instilling the fear of the Lord overbalances and counterbalances the good that it may done by... Get off it, kid. You're liable to get hit out here in the traffic. The truth of the matter is, some of you are afraid of getting old. Some of you are afraid of cancer. Some of you fear leukemia. Some of you are afraid you won't get a raise. Some of you are afraid you're going to get laid off work. Yes or no? And how did you miss the fear of the Lord? And how, what are you doing standing and telling me that fear is an unhealthy motive and bad to have when you guide your whole life by it? You've got social security because you're worried about your old age. you got fire insurance because you're worried about your house burning down. You've got collision liability because you're worried about a wreck. And you have the gall to sit there in front of that radio and tell me you don't believe in fearing God. You're crazy. You're out of your mind, man. You're going to tell me you're not fearing the one who's holy and righteous, who flung the stars into space, who created the galaxies and nebulas and star clusters the one who made your body and gave you life and breath to, eat, uh, to to live on and has fed you to this day and been merciful to you a thousand times and gotten you out of all kinds of disaster troubles, you don't fear Him? But you're afraid about cancer, are you? Boy, you're a balanced character now, aren't you, huh? Imagine some of you people talking about us preachers being fanatics. Ain't that a flip. And imagine some of you people talking about us being extremists. Ain't you cute? That book says in Deuteronomy thirteen four, You shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear Him, and keep His commandments, and obey His voice, and serve Him. Simon Peter says to the Christian in 1 Peter two seventeen, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So David said, Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him, glorify Him, and fear Him. Acts 9.31 said about the New Testament Christian under grace in the local church, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and were multiplied. Cornelius was said to be a man who feared God, Acts 10.2. And 2 Corinthians 7.1 tells us the fear of God teaches us to live circumspect lives. Quote, "...let us cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God." A man that doesn't fear God is not a Christian, and a man that doesn't fear God doesn't have good sense. Outside of that, he may be a very highly educated religious fella. There are a lot of them running around. Now, what is the fear of the Lord specifically? Well, by definition, and please write down these references so you'll have no mistake about it. Write down these references so when somebody comes and says, well, that crazy kook preaching the radio says, you know, blah, blah, yackety yak." you can turn to the Word of God and show that bigoted, prejudiced fool what the fear of the Lord is. These are definitions given by the Holy Bible where the Holy Spirit is defining the fear of the Lord and telling you what it is. Now, Paul used to say to the charismatics of his day, who were always hubberly blubbly, hostile, the shanty, untie bow tie and trying to convince somebody they were gifted, he said to these deceived Christians, he said, If any man among you think himself to be spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And let me preface my remarks in today's broadcast by saying, if any man think I'm just talking through my hat or giving you my private interpretation or teaching you what some denomination teaches, let you understand, brother, the verse I'm going to quote are definitions by the Holy Spirit given about the subject under discussion. Number one, Proverbs 8.13, quote, The fear of the Lord is, Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is. Isaiah 33.6, the fear of the Lord is. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is. You say the fear of the Lord is what? Well, now I'll go back and finish it. You see, I'm not going to tell you what I think. And I'm not going to tell you what the Bible teaches. Our job in this broadcast is to tell you what the Bible says about itself. And since we're discussing the expression fear of the Lord, which is a biblical expression, Job twenty eight twenty eight, we are going to see what the Bible says the fear of the Lord is. Are you ready? All right. Number one the fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil. Proverbs eight thirteen, quote, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Is that clear? Now, you relativists that think that evil and good are the same, or that good is evil, or that evil is good, you relatives who think there's no such thing as evil, but it all depends upon how you look at it, you know what your problem is? There's no fear of God before your eyes. If you know, don't know the difference between good and evil, how do you hate evil? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's the Holy Spirit's definition. Then, obviously, your definition is given to you by an unholy spirit. The Holy Spirit said the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What do you say? Well, then it must be some other spirit guiding you, fella. Number two, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10, quote, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't begin with a college education. Wisdom doesn't begin with a high school education. Wisdom doesn't begin with a Harvard five-foot shelf of classics. Wisdom doesn't begin with a major in physics. Wisdom doesn't begin with an understanding of Einstein's theory of relativity. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and son, let me tell you something. Until you learn how to fear God, you haven't begun learning anything. When a man starts to get wise is when he begins to learn to fear God. And if you haven't learned there, you're not a beginner. You're not a primary, you're still in the nursery. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number three, Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure. The fear of the Lord is his treasure, Isaiah 33, 6. The fear of the Lord then is a valuable thing. It's worth more than silver or gold because it'll keep you out of trouble that silver and gold can't get you out of. When Paul says the New Testament Christian, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He's warning you that a person can do things, if they don't fear God, that they cannot fix with money. Is that clear? If it isn't clear, why isn't it clear? One of my best friends down in, over in uh, Fort Worth, was a highway patrolman 15 years before he got saved and left the patrol and became a minister. Do you know what he told me just three weeks ago? He said, Brother Rutman, when I was a highway patrolman and covered a certain route and covered routes and covered the highway, he said, on my particular route, he said, at one time or another in 15 years, I ran into five people trying to commit suicide. I mean, they had the hose and the carbon monoxide in the car, the whole works. And he said, you know, Brother Rutman, you know what impressed me? I said, what? He said, Well, Brother Ruckman, he said all five of those cars were Cadillacs, Lincolns, or Mercedes Benzes. There wasn't one man out there trying to finish himself off that was making less than $40,000 a year. Now, do you know what was wrong with those poor sinners? They didn't have any treasure. Proverbs 15:16 says, The fear of the Lord is the believer's treasure. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. I guess Howard Hughes knows all about that now. But it's a little late, ain't it? Proverbs 14, 27, fourth definition. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Poor Ponce de Leon came over here looking for the fountain of youth and broke his neck, and the swamps, and the yellow fever, and the flies, and the mosquitoes, and the banyan trees, and the cypress roots, and gum stumps, trying to find a fountain that could let him live forever. Well, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Psalm 99 says, The fear of the Lord is clean. It keeps you out of trouble. It's sanctifying. It'll make you careful how you walk, son. The fear of the Lord is clean, David says in Psalm 99. If David feared the Lord like he should have, he would not have taken Bathsheba as his wife and murdered her husband. You know how David got in that trouble and got unclean temporarily? By not fearing God. The fear of the Lord is not negative. It's not destructive. It's not damaged, damaging. It doesn't give you a guilt complex. The fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. Psalm 19, verse 9. In plain words, what the psychiatrists and the shrinks think about it, is non-consequential and is not relevant to the discussion. What some shrinker thinks about the fear of the Lord has nothing to do with the subject. I wouldn't even ask one his opinion about it. After all, having read Dewey and Russell and Young and Pavlov and Menager, what would we be, in, be interested in anyway? The man who doesn't fear God fears men. And finally, the seventh thing about it, Paul says, let us have grace whereby we may serve acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The fear of the Lord is godly. There's a difference between reverence and fear, and the fear of the Lord is godly. So what do we know about the fear of the Lord? We know no matter how much talk, folks talk about negativism, 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 and they're the most negative people in the world when you give them the Word of God, no matter how much these people talk about guilt complex and upsetting people and disturbing people and, you know, and this and that, All they're doing is attacking the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in this world to convict men of sin because they believe not on Christ, and if they don't believe on Christ, they go to hell. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is a negative conviction brought upon the sinner by the Holy Ghost. And when you hear a man trying to talk a man out of fearing God, you're dealing with a man who is a paid professional whose life is dedicated to overthrowing the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. After all, what he has says says about it is of no consequence, because the Bible itself teaches and says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, the fear of the Lord is a treasure, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, the fear of the Lord is clean, the fear of the Lord endures forever, and the fear of the Lord is godly, not ungodly. Therefore a man that does not fear God does not hate evil, he is not wise, he is broke, he will not live forever, he is unclean, and he is ungodly. According to Proverbs eight thirteen, Psalm one hundred and eleven verse ten, Proverbs fifteen, verse sixteen, Proverbs fourteen twenty seven, Psalm ninety nine, and Hebrews twelve twenty eight. A word to the wise is sufficient. And if you are not wise, then don't forget, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And may you start today putting God first and men second. For the fear of man bringeth a snare. Fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And if you're saved, remember there's one thing you never have to fear. You never have to fear the day of judgment and going to hell. For thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he'll preserve you blameless unto his coming. May the Lord bless you, and good day.